Welcome to No Baller. I am Chris Rawl. It is Tuesday, July 27th. On today's show, Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC. And once again, it's time to observe the butterfly effect of conference realignment. Before we get to all of that, I want to give you one reason why gambling should be legal in the state of Utah. Now, I'll be honest, I have not watched one second of the Olympics so far. However, this morning, I watched a clip on Twitter about some 17-year-old swimmer from Alaska who won a gold medal, and it showed everybody back home cheering, and it got me very excited about things. So what did I do? I said, I need to place a bet on this event, the Olympics. So I go over to Bavada, and I find something that piques my interest. And what is it? United States men's basketball against Iran tonight. United States, who have been atrocious so far. They're 41.5-point favorites against the Iran men's basketball team. So I circle around. I say, I'd love a first quarter bet. United States minus 11.5. They have to win tonight. I expect them to come out and try to blow the doors off of Iran. So that's the bet. I feel patriotic. I feel happy. I feel like I'm back in the live sporting event world. And we have our one reason why gambling should be legal in the state of Utah, because it will light the flame of patriotism inside yourself that you did not even know existed. And now a word from our sponsor, Traeger Grills. Traeger invented the original wood-fired grill over 30 years ago in Mount Angel, Oregon. They continue to lead the industry as the world's number one selling wood-fired grill, perfected by decades of mastering the craft of wood-fired cooking. You can find out more at TraegerGrills.com. Yesterday's show was all about change on an individual level and how much capacity for change each of us kind of possesses. Can we actually change who we are at our core? And today's show also touches on change, but in a different manner. It's what happens when change is forced upon you. How do you respond? Uh, is it something that you just kind of have to accept? Is it something that you fight against? And what are the ripple effects when change occurs uh, outside of your domain? So this ties into college football and conference realignment in a very uh, stark and interesting way because this happens every 10 or 15 years. All the powers that be get together and they go, we're not happy where we are, so we're going to force change upon the 100 teams within college football. Uh, and it creates kind of a butterfly effect. For those of you who aren't familiar, butterfly effect it's essentially just one tiny change can create enormous change down the road. You know, a butterfly flaps its wings and three weeks later, a huge tornado is coming through. And that tiny flap of the wings altered the course in the direction of the tornado in present day. This is kind of conference realignment because in present day, we understand some of the things that will occur when this team moves here and this team moves here. And this conference is now expanded and this conference is now no more. But a lot of the things, they're kind of hard to understand in real time. And it's only after the fact that we're able to comprehend, oh, these were the true effects of this version of conference realignment. Uh, and conference realignment is, it's equal parts exciting and also kind of scary. Because on the exciting part, everybody is affected. Even if your team is not moving from conference to conference, uh, the ripple effects that occur when teams switch conferences, they affect literally everybody that plays major college football. Uh, and so when you're trying to understand who's moving where and how will that affect my team, there's always a lot of excitement 
that's built into that. Because the idea, and I speak of this from the personal side, the idea is when conference realignment happens, this is going to be better somehow for my team. It's new, it's fresh, it's change that will be beneficial to my favorite football team. Uh, but a lot of times that is not how conference realignment plays out. And it's always after the fact that you can look back over the course of the last 10 years of conference realignment and go, hmm, maybe this wasn't as fresh and as new and as beneficial as I thought it was going to be. So I spoke about this personal experience side. And those of you who watch and listen to the show know that I'm a very big Nebraska football fan. And conference realignment and Nebraska have been two things that deeply intertwined. And the combination of those two things has deeply uh, shaped the way that I watch college football and the way that I enjoy college football. I want to go back to 1996 when the Big 8 becomes the Big 12. Nebraska's already a member of the Big 8. Um, Southwestern Conference, it's disbanding. Four teams come over to the Big 8 to make the Big 12. Baylor, Texas, Texas Tech, Texas A&M. So now we have one of these. At the time, it was so exciting and new and fresh because it was this power conference. It was 12 teams. They're going to a conference championship arrangement, two six-team divisions. The very first year, Nebraska plays Texas in it. It's an iconic game. Nebraska loses on this crazy fourth down and inches play that Texas runs in their own territory to seal the game. They win by 10 points. It stops Nebraska from playing for a national title for what would have been the fifth straight year after the following year. Uh, really just kind of a butterfly effect moment within college football history. But this is the time that shapes how I enjoy college football and how I watch it. Nebraska starts all of these new rivalries going into the formation of the Big 12. Nebraska and Oklahoma was the rivalry in college football. It dominated the 70s. It dominated the 80s. They were the two powers. Um, and when the Big 12 comes about, part of the ripple effect of that change is, okay, now we have 12 teams in our conference, which means we can't possibly have everybody play one another every single year. So Oklahoma is an every year rival is out for Nebraska. They go two years on, two years off. Uh, and taking the place of that, it's a lot of these, at the time, considered to be newer age rivalries. Things that became a, a deep part of my college football watching experience for the next 15 years. New age rivalry with Colorado, the day after Thanksgiving, that's now in. That's something that I loved, loved, loved about college football in my early years. Every single year, Thanksgiving weekend, rivalry week, already my favorite week of the entire year when it comes to watching sports. And now I have this game that always carried a, a lot of magnitude. Nebraska, Colorado, national titles, Big 12 title races at stake, all that kind of stuff. And that was a big part of my experience. And, and you go down through Nebraska's division, and a lot of these rivalries start forming, especially during that time in the 90s and into the 2000s with these teams that, again, became a, a big part of my own personal experience, teams that I grew to hate and despise because they were always standing between Nebraska and being good. And I'd, I'd watch Missouri come into town. I go, I hate the Missouri Tigers. I can't even watch them. Oh, my gosh. The 1997 Nebraska-Missouri game, one of my all-time favorite memories in college football. Uh, there's a bunch of other teams that they became a part of Nebraska's experience as a football team and really on the fan side. Uh, it became a big part of Saturdays in autumn. Nebraska versus Texas, the team that Nebraska just somehow, it was always the thorn in the side up until they left the Big 12. Couldn't ever really climb that hill. It started with that 1996 title game loss and it never really went away. 
They were always there. They were always beating Nebraska's underdogs or as favorites. And that was part of Nebraska's Big 12 experience. Kansas State and Bill Snyder, uh, they come out of nowhere. They turn into a top 10 program every single year. They're battling with Nebraska for division titles for the last half of the 90s and into the 2000s. This is what college football was for me and for Nebraska fans during that time. Now, it's interesting to look back on because I'm sure a lot of Nebraska fans that were older than I, at the time, I'm 10 years old, 1996, I'm sure there was a lot of pushback and sadness when it came to that Nebraska-Oklahoma rivalry. Rivalries play an enormous role within the sport of college football, uh, and they span back years and years and years. And so what was new and fresh to me and what became tradition to me, watching Nebraska play Colorado and Kansas State and Missouri and, and Texas, that was kind of a contrast to what had came before, which was Nebraska and Oklahoma every week, close to Thanksgiving, every single year for many, many, many years. That was now out the window. And so now looking back on that, uh, and especially the way that the last 25 or so years have played out, uh, I'm more sympathetic to that specific experience because now I'm experiencing that over the course of the last couple times that conference realignment has occurred. So Nebraska doesn't play Oklahoma in 1998 and 1999. It's the first time that Nebraska had not played them since 1927. Again, tradition, rivalry, all of those things, it's kind of out the window in a way that I don't think we can fully understand until we see it. Uh, and this is kind of a strange aspect about college football for me. I don't necessarily care a lot about tradition in everyday life, but it is a big draw of college football for me. And that's one of the reasons that I cared, cared greatly about it. And one of the reasons that I find myself caring less as years have gone on and tradition has kind of become less a part of the sport than it was. So we fast forward 15 years later, 2011, Nebraska joins the Big Ten. Uh, this was the last enormous wave of conference expansion until what I'm going to talk about in present day. Uh, the last Big 12 game they ever play. It's December 4th, 2010, fittingly against Oklahoma Sooners in the Big 12 title game. Nebraska versus Oklahoma, kind of an ode to the past. It's in Arlington, Texas. Jerry World, I'm there in the crowd for that game. And I felt just, it was the new, it was the fresh, it was the exciting. Because on the one hand, I go, Nebraska has a chance to win the Big 12. I think they can win today. They haven't won a conference championship since 1999, 11 years ago. Uh, this is going to be a great fitting farewell. Nebraska going out on top of this conference, giving the middle finger out the door to Texas and all the other teams and saying, we're going to the Big 10. They're offering us way more money. They're offering us stability that the Big 12 doesn't have. They're offering us a conference that everybody has an equal say in, whereas the Big 12, it was kind of dominated predominantly by Texas and their voice. And that's not how that game played out. Nebraska loses by a field goal. I'm there with head and hands in the crowd going, oh, so close. All right, we'll wait another year. Nebraska, they'll be good again. They'll win a conference championship again. They'll win a national title again. Unfortunately, all those things still into present day are not true. Uh, still waiting for a conference title since 1999. Still waiting for a national title since 1997. Uh, you get the point. When we go back to conference realignment, though, uh, the ripple effects at the time, we understand. It's that Nebraska is leaving the Big 12. This conference is going to be changed. And so the other conferences are scrambling to pick up some of the pieces. So Colorado, Nebraska's every day after Thanksgiving rival since 
mid-1990s, they're going to the Pac-12. And Utah, mid-major, great team in their own right. They're, this is their call-up to the big leagues, essentially. They're also going to the Pac-12. Strange, exciting, fresh, especially for a team like that moving in. The SEC, they swoop in and grab a couple teams out of the Big 12 as well. Texas A&M, hey, we'd love a foothold into Texas. Fertile recruiting grounds. We don't necessarily have to have Texas at this time. Let's grab A&M. And we'll grab Missouri alongside it. A foothold in the Midwest. Uh, expand our conference up to 14 teams. This is going to be great for us. The Big Ten alongside Nebraska, they say, we'll go television markets. These aren't great programs, but we'll grab Rutgers. We'll grab Maryland. Um, and you start to see the beginning of an arms race when it comes to the power conferences at this time. And it's hard to project in 2011 what that looks like down the road, but we get a sense of a shift within the sport. Um, money, money, money is ruling the day. That's something that's been true for many years within college football. But this is also a, kind of a major footnote within college football honing in on money as the be-all, end-all at the expense of literally anything else. But I'm, again, I'm looking at this opportunity on the fan side and going, this is going to be new and it's going to be fresh. And I haven't liked how Nebraska has kind of been pushed aside by Texas within the Big 12 conference. They've been very outspoken on that. I think the Big 12 is a cool opportunity. And I think it's going to be sweet for Nebraska. And I wasn't fully prepared for how the next decade plus would play out and how much I would miss the familiarity of what had been there during my formative years of watching college football. Nebraska playing the same Big 12 teams every single year. Uh, a lot of times on specific dates when it comes to Nebraska, Colorado, Thanksgiving weekend, the day after Thanksgiving. Or when it comes to October and November, and I just know Nebraska's playing Kansas State. One year in Manhattan, the next in Lincoln. Nebraska's playing Missouri. One year in Columbia, one year in Lincoln. That stuff was out the window, and I wasn't fully prepared for how much I would miss that the tradition, the familiarity that, yeah, it hadn't extended 80 years, but it had been there for a long time, especially with Nebraska and some of these original Big 8 members. So what seemed strange and new and fresh was Nebraska playing against Rutgers or against trying to kind of hammer out this new age rivalry against Iowa or Wisconsin or Nebraska playing like cross-divisional games against Ohio State and Penn State. All great teams but it didn't hold that same lure that comes from having a deeply intertwined tradition that college football has leaned upon for a long, 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 long time. So now we come into present day, 2021, 11 years after the last enormous conference realignment shift. And this offseason, we think there is going to be huge change within the world of college football. We just think it's something different. We think that uh, the powers that be have gotten together and they're talking about getting the wheels turning on the expansion of a 14 playoff to 12 teams, which is exciting and fresh in its own right. Uh, and I think it would open the doors interest-wise to a lot of fan bases that I think interest has dwindled at because since the 14 playoff has been implemented, I think uh, the vast majority of teams within college football understand we don't really have a chance at that. And this sport has become all about the playoff and all about winning a national title. And there's a small amount of teams who are capable of doing that. And in the playoff era, it's pretty much the same teams that are just there. It's Alabama, it's Clemson, it's Ohio State, it's Oklahoma, it's Georgia. It's all the teams who've recruited awesome. It's all the teams who have the resources at their disposal and the coaching staffs to take that talent and turn it into 
national title caliber team. And so I think interest has dwindled on that side. And the 12-team playoff, it's supposed to resurrect that new tradition, but one that will kind of tap into what a lot of people had in the past. Passionate fan bases uh, for teams that maybe they're not the Blue Bloods, but hey, if my team can make a 12-team playoff, that's very exciting for me. I still know that they can't win a national title, but a playoff berth is very meaningful. So strange, fresh, new, exciting. Again, kind of the things that college football will always try to push. And a lot of times in retrospect, maybe it's not necessarily that. So simultaneous to this, the wheels getting uh, moving on a 12-team playoff. What is actually happening is the real story, which we're only learning about within the last week. The biggest conference realignment shift in the history of college sports. Texas and Oklahoma talking with the SEC about joining already the most powerful football conference in college football and making that even more powerful. Uh, and so I go back to the butterfly effect and we understand some of what that means in present day. But uh, in my opinion, it's just kind of a tip of the iceberg because what this signals is the most dramatic shift in what college football is and definitely what it will be moving forward since college football has existed. Uh, this is change on an irrevocable scale that we won't fully comprehend until we see it play out. Now, college football, especially within the playoff era, has really leaned into that irrevocable change. And it's something that has taken my interest and passion as a fan and knocked it down from a 15 out of 10 to a 9 out of 10, let's say. You know, you got name, image, likeness going on. You got the payers, players getting paid. You have the playoff itself. You have the playoff expansion. You have all of this stuff that's pushing college football towards a more professional NFL-like product, which on some levels I enjoy. And on other levels, I understand that whatever I loved about the sport in the 90s and in the 2000s and even in the 2010s, that's not going to exist on a lot of levels moving forward. So, you know, some are ready for the shift. And a lot of other people, people that I think maybe like college football less for just the on-field product, strictly football speaking, and like more of the eccentricity and all the weird things that tied into that, I think a lot of people are maybe not so ready for that shift. So I want to read a quote from Chris Vanini of The Athletic when it comes to the shift and when it comes to pushback on the fan side about what college football was and what it's kind of becoming. It sucks that college sports over the past decade plus has chosen to give up what makes it special. I'm not talking about amateurism. The fact that players can now make money is long overdue. I'm talking about the regional flair, the communities, the charm, and the history. There's a connection with alumni and your opponent. The vast majority of us care more about our rivals and goofy trophies than we do who wins the national title. It's not pro sports. It's supposed to mean something more. There aren't 30 teams we care about. There are a hundred unique communities. But pettiness and greed have won the decade, and this move by Texas, Oklahoma, and the SEC could cement this path toward ending that forever, end quote. So I agree with a lot of the sentiment expressed within this particular piece of writing. And there's one line that really stands out to me. The vast majority of us care more about our rivals and goofy trophies than we do about who wins the national title. That's very true, especially the worst Nebraska has gotten for me. It's really opened my mind and my experience to what I really do love about college football. 
because it can't be about who wins the national title when my team is nowhere near that for two plus decades. And it becomes more about just that connection with your opponent that happens every single year. It becomes more about rivalry and seeing the same teams. It's about these goofy trophies that exist, stuff that plays out year over year over year over year over the course of time. Even within the state that I live in, Utah, uh, one of the things that I love every single or loved before this conference realignment occurred and it was taken away, the Holy War. Every single rivalry week, Thanksgiving weekend, BYU, Utah, it's never, they're never playing for the national title, but like the amount of passion and excitement that was injected into that game every single year during that week, it's awesome to be a part of. It's awesome to walk around and talk with people the entire week of the game. The bragging rights stuff after the game, everybody's talking trash, whoever wins, whoever loses, they go into a hole and they curl up and they go, I don't want to talk about this. Like that's part of college football and what draws a lot of people, myself included, to the sport in the past. Uh, and now there's this new battle that I'm fighting with college football over the last few years that's really, really, really coming to the forefront with this Oklahoma-Texas realignment shift. You know, what is the sport moving forward? How many teams actually matter? Is that even the sport, you know, that we boil it down and distill it to the 20 or 30 best teams and we watch them play one another every single year? And what happens to the rest of these teams? Is it something that anybody cares about? What is the future of that sport moving forward, if that's what it is? So on one hand, you know, again, as my passion has been slightly diminished because of these shifts within the sport, part of me goes, you know what? I don't necessarily hate just get the best teams together every year and have them play one another and make it as professional as possible because I already know that's where we're headed. And if Alabama's playing Oklahoma every year, and Georgia's playing them every year, and Clemson's playing them every year, and Ohio State. I mean, let's just get on with it because we've crossed the line of what college football was in the past. We're not going back to that. So whatever it's going to be in the future, let's just get there. Uh, let's get out of this weird limbo where there's not enough connection to the past to appeal to fans like me, and there's not the like wholehearted, uh, willing step to the future of just saying, you know what? This sport is just about these teams. They're the only ones that matter. That's what conference realignment shows us every single time it occurs. There's a clear distinction between haves and have-nots within this sport. And sometimes we want to ignore it, but when realignment happens, we just understand it. These are the teams that matter. So our hand is forced. Uh, change is occurring and a lot of people don't necessarily want it. But again, it's just going to happen because the powers that be say it's going to happen. Uh, and if I'm trying to find positives, I say, well, at least we'll hopefully get quality football from that. On the other hand, you know, it obviously it appeals to the sentimental side of me. And it makes me sad because the sport that college football was within the 90s, within the 2000s, within the 2010s even, that's gone. That's not coming back. Um, and so as that shift has occurred again within the playoff era for me, it's no coincidence that my favorite sport is now the NFL, which it gives the best possible on-field product in professional sports. Here is the best football, which football is my favorite sport. The best football is being played. That's going to appeal to someone like me. But on the sentimental side, it has none of the eccentricity that college football possesses. Uh, and in the NFL, winning the title is the thing that matters. It's not about this Chris Vanini quote. It's not about beating your rival. It's not about Thanksgiving Day weekend regular season game. It's about getting the playoffs, 
beating the other team, winning the championship. If you didn't do that, your season is a failure. Go home and try to do better next year. Uh, there's a ruthlessness to that particular experience on the fan side. I love watching the football, uh, but I don't love that it's just distilled down to one simple yes or no question, which college football in the past was never about. It was always about 10 million things pieced together and whichever one you wanted to concentrate on and enjoy and really truly care about, that's what you chose. So for me, especially as Nebraska just became a bad team, it was about connection to your opponent. It was about rivalry. It was about seeing familiar faces every single year. Uh, and it was about all those things that are now kind of being weaned out of the game. So I want to go back to Chris Vanini of The Athletic and read another piece of his article. Do we really like the layout of conferences more than we did a decade ago? When it comes to play on the field, do Nebraska fans really like being in the Big Ten? Does Colorado like playing on the Pac-12 network? What do Iowa and Rutgers fans have in common? It trickles down too. Southern Miss, a program with a deep history and a passionate fan base, got abandoned by its rivals for the AAC and has been lost in an unfamiliar wilderness ever since. Realignment has its winners, but it has far more losers. Texas A&M joined the SEC in 2012. In the 10 years since, the Aggies have played Georgia once and don't host the Dogs until 2024. Now we are adding two more teams? Why would the Mississippi schools want to knock themselves down another tier within their own league? Why would Missouri and Arkansas want to welcome Texas after getting out from under that shadow? End quote. So there's 10 million questions that can be asked about realignment every single time. And again, this time more than any prior realignment shift. Because this is the biggest one. And it's the biggest step forward towards whatever the new version of college football is in present day and will definitely be five years or 10 years down the road. So we're still going to be sorting out the ripple effects of that. We, we will have to watch a lot of them play out before, again, we understand what they are. Are we just moving towards the NFL where the Big Ten and the SEC are acting as the AFC and the NFC and they snatch up the teams that matter and we just have two entities that exist that matter and everybody else just fades away and who knows what happens to them and we watch a slightly less talented version of the NFL play out that ruthless did you win or did you lose that's all we really care about these rivalries whatever throw them out the window you know what happens to the remaining members of the big 12 right now with this realignment shift and everybody else kind of left by the wayside when the ripple effects of this particular shift play out and either other conferences reach in and snatch up these big 12 members or the big 12 reaches into other conferences and snatches up their best members, what happens to those conferences? Again, butterfly effect, little flap of the wings, years down the road, who knows what that manifests itself as. Will a sport even be recognizable in 20 years compared to what it is now, or definitely compared to what it was 20 years prior? These are all of the questions that arise from a shift of this magnitude, which again is always about money. A strange kind of less discussed portion of realignment when it comes to that feeling of this is exciting this is new this is fresh because one of the main selling points always is this is about money everybody knows it but if your school is involved this means more money for your school which seems cool in as an idea but there's not a direct correlation between 
money coming into your school and that being pumped directly into your football program being better. We have 10 million examples of that being not the case. Nebraska is a perfect example. Part of the selling point of them joining the Big Ten was this will get you significantly more money every single year than you had in the Big 12. And Nebraska, with a, a, a team that hadn't been as good as a lot of people wanted, with a fan base that was just thirsting for wins, part of that selling point was your team will be better because money equals resources. It equals better recruiting. It equals better coaches. It equals all these things that you need in order to succeed. And so when you move to the Big Ten and you have more of that, you'll have a better on-field product. That is not true. It's not true for a million of these teams that have shifted conferences. Um, and so this selling point that you as a fan are supposed to care because your school grosses more money by this move, it's insane. You know, We would never apply that same logic to professional sports. Me, a Green Bay Packers fan, if they had some cost-cutting maneuvers and said, we're now $5 million below the salary cap, we saved some money for the team, I would never celebrate that. I go, I don't care. What are you talking about? Just make this team good. That's all I care about. I don't care what the avenue is. But the main point is, this is not it. You know, this idea that conference realignment equals more money for schools, which in turn equals better football for these schools, that's not true. But that's what it's always sold as. So Nebraska, the Big Ten, you get away from Texas, it's all about the money. It'll make you more competitive. That has not played out. That's not been the case for 11 years now. So it goes back to that line from Chris Vanini. Realignment, you know, as always, it has far more winners than, or far more losers than winners. And that has been true of every single realignment cycle. And I think, again, with this OU Texas shift to the SEC, I think it will be more true with this cycle than any of the prior cycles. Because college football, it's the haves and the have-nots. And the haves, they just exist. They're there. Nobody can really even determine why that is the case. In a lot of instances, Texas is a great case in point. But they are the people who shape the sport. So when dollar signs flash and they want to snag them, they go and do that. That's how we arrive at OU in Texas moving to the SEC, creating the ripple effects that some we understand right now and a lot that we won't understand till years down the road when it comes to what this sport is and how many people actually care about it. So I'm going to end today's show with a couple paragraphs from Bill Conley because I think they're very smart when it comes to this, uh, this idea of how teams are affected within conference realignment and this division between haves and have-nots and how unfair uh, that particular concept is within college football, something that we just know exists, but we're kind of powerless to stop. So this is Bill Conley from ESPN. Since 2009, Texas's last season as a national title contender, Oklahoma State with 101, TCU with 93, Kansas State with 85, Baylor with 84, and West Virginia with 81 have all won more games than University of Texas's 78. Texas Tech has either matched or exceeded the Horns' win total four times in that span. Iowa State has done so twice in the past four years and is coming off of a top 10 finish, its best ever. Texas indeed strong-armed the conference for decades and was allowed to start its own network within the ESPN family, and none of it helped the school to achieve a competitive football advantage. And yet, because of financial might, 
UT still got to decide to blow up the conference and leave eight other programs to fight for scraps and far diminished revenue. In a word, that stinks. And it could result in some successful schools struggling even more to keep up with the pack and some active and passionate fan bases losing interest because the game is so blatantly rigged against them. College football is at its best and healthiest when the largest possible number of programs are engaged and excited and feel like meaningful members of the college football universe. Moves like this assure the opposite. Thank you for listening to No Baller. This show is produced by Weston Tanner and can be consumed in a variety of ways. You can download it as a podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or the platform of your choice. You can also view it in video form via the Beehive TV app, which can be downloaded on Apple, Google, Roku, and Amazon Fire. For more information, go to noballer.com.